Let's go in our Bibles to the book of Acts, the third chapter. Acts chapter 3. I want to begin today talking to you about life changes. Have you ever wished you could go back and do some things different in your life? Can anybody relate to that? Anybody wish you had that DeLorean? That Doc and Mar- you know Doc and Marty, is that too long ago? Uh, <laughs> is there anything you would like to erase from your past and therefore you really not be defined by that going forward? You don't want to be known as the person who did this or experienced that, but you'd rather have a, have a fresh start. That's what we're talking about today. We are here to celebrate life changes. That our lives have been changed. And we're also here to encourage. There are many individuals who say, I would like my life to change. I want to know that life does change. And uh, I want to encourage you today. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Things are going up from here when we walk with Him and do things the Lord's way. Praise God. Anybody find Acts chapter 3 yet? (laughs) Let's begin reading over here, Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. Acts 3 and verse 19. Peter had just preached a powerful message about the Lord Jesus, and he's finishing this by saying in 19, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Notice there, notice to get that time of refreshing, there must be a change to experience it. Listen to this from the Amplified Bible. It reads this way, So repent, change your mind and purpose, turn around and return to God, that your sins may be erased, blotted out, wiped clean, that times of refreshing... And recovering from the effects of heat, of reviving with fresh air, may come from the presence of the Lord. Praise God. Now, your life may have been worn out in many ways. You may have, you may have and may be experiencing some of the effects of living in a sin-filled, fallen world. Uh, these things can take their toll. However, because of what Jesus has done, uh, we have the potential for a, a, an erase, a blot out, a wipe clean, a rewriting of our lives. How many know God is, this is very commonly said, but He is the God of second chances, right? And how many can say, and third, and fourth, and fifth, and sixth, <laughs> because He has, has given you opportunity again, and again, and again, to do what? To to refresh, you know, to wipe the hard drive and write zeros across it. He's he's given you a mulligan, you know, without paying for it at the clubhouse. And, uh, you know, that that ball landed in the lake or landed in someone's backyard. I'm talking about golf if you don't know what that is. Uh, The ball's in the wrong place, but thank God he let you reload and, uh, and hit it again. And praise God for his faithfulness, his mercy, and his love. I want to read a few scriptures to you today. I don't want you to take time to, to turn to them necessarily. But let's understand, this is, this is pretty simple, 
but so powerful at the same time. I want to read to you a, a few different verses. Psalm 103 and verse 12. 103 verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Praise God. Micah, Micah chapter 7, 18 and 19. Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. You get a picture here at all that the Lord wants to have any wrongdoing, any poor choice, any sinful act so far away from us that it can never be seen. It can never be associated with any longer. Isaiah 43 and 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. Aren't you glad for that? How does a God who knows everything not know some things? Do you know how? By choice. Absolutely by choice. And there are some things He has chosen not to know. And what is that? What you've done and what I've done wrong. He has chosen not to remember our sins. Think about that. You ever ever notice that language in that verse that says, He did this for His own sake? And I'm thinking, I'm thinking you did that for my sake. Why is the Lord saying He did it for His sake? Well, maybe you think of a parent-child relationship and, and, and how you recognize that that's sin. That is a hindrance for us coming into close communion and close, close fellowship with one another. You know, one of the reasons God blotted out your sins was not only for your sake and your, my salvation, but also so that He could um, set His love upon us, so He could bless us, so he could, he could pour out His best and His favor upon our lives. And he knew that just doesn't work. It's like water and oil. They can't mix all of God's fullness and love and blessings and all that he has doesn't mix with a life of sin. So he said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to blot those sins out. I'm going to remove them and for absolutely you know, forbid myself and choose not to remember them anymore. Yeah, what does that do? Sets us up for his blessing. Sets us up for His favor. Sets us up for His love. And God can do it because He wants to. And I want Him to. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12. Hebrews eight twelve. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Again, this is the ultimate do-over. <laughs> this is the way that God relates to people. He gives us, a, a, like I said, a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, but He wants to do a work in us in our day that is so radical and so real that it's visible on the outside. If you haven't experienced God to the degree that someone else has noticed yet, then I tell you there's more in store. There's more you have coming your way. There's an encounter with God, an experience where others will look upon and they'll look at you and say something is real, something is alive, something's changed, something is better about your life. Look with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah the 40th chapter. What we want to experience is what I sometimes re- refer to as the great exchange. 
it, it, it's a powerful transfer from the Lord to us. In Isaiah chapter 40, let's, let's notice over here in verse 28, 40, 28. It reads, Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. Aren't you glad God is not getting tired? <laughs> he doesn't get weary. He doesn't faint. His understanding is unsearchable. Verse 29, He gives power to the weak. Not He just sees the weak. Not He just acknowledges uh, people's weakness. But what does He do to them? He, he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, He increases strength. Notice the character and the, the nature of God, His will, His, the extension of Himself toward us. It's almost like, uh, you know, water running to the lowest part of the parking lot, you know, to go to the drain. It's, it's God in His love and His mighty power, His strength is always going towards a need. It's grabbing, gravitating towards those who have an absence of Him in their lives. Alright? If someone said, I need God. I need strength. I need healing. I need help. I need victory. I need joy in my life. Well, that's what it's designed to do. It's already going towards you. It's already heading your way. That's the nature of God. It's the way that He views things. It's, it's going to the need. Verse 30. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. In other words, those who are, who are you would naturally think, they're strong, they can handle it, they, they've got what, what it takes. He said, no, no, no. He said, even they, even they they're the ones, they're, they're falling. They're running out of strength. They're the ones who are, who, are, who are fainting because this, what we're talking about here, does not reside in human ability. This is not about an individual's ability to overcome. You may have a great diet, great exercise regimen. You may take care of yourself really well. But I'm telling you, we live in a rough and tumble world, don't we? We live in a place where there's sin and there's danger all around. And without the strength of God, even the youth, even the strong will utterly fall. But look at verse 31. Thank God for verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall what? Renew their strength. My Bible here, uh, New King James Version, there is italicized, meaning... Uh, Meaning it wasn't there in the original Hebrew language this was translated from. It literally said, but shall renew strength. Why do I make that mention? Well, because I'm not so interested in renewing my strength. It wasn't that good in the first place. It wasn't that impressive. But shall renew strength. What are we we talking about here? He gives power to the weak. He gives strength. To those. We're talking about the strength of God infusing us. We're talking about the power of, of the highest coming into us and enabling us to be what we can't be on our own. It says, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Praise God. 
And so we can see the solution here. we got a lot of people who are weak, those who are fainting, those who are falling, those who in and of themselves are not going to make it. But thank God the Lord is looking to infuse them with strength. But what was the condition? Obviously, those who would look to Him and those who would not look to themselves are the things of this world. He said those who would wait on the Lord. Those who do what? Wait on the Lord. Now, let me clarify a little bit, lest we have a misunderstanding of what that means. Waiting on the Lord does not look like I'm sitting back, doing nothing, uh, waiting on the Lord to one of these days come through for me. I've, pr- I've been praying, and one of these days or months or years or decades, uh, He's going to answer me. You know what I'm talking about? I- I'm waiting on the Lord to heal me. I'm waiting on the Lord to provide for me. I'm waiting on the Lord to do something with my life. But in the meantime, humdy dum. You know, an individual came to me one time. They said, I've been believing God for my healing for three years. I'm waiting for a manifestation of my healing. Now, to some, that might sound, you know, a natural reaction for a lot of Christians would be like, good job, keep it up. That's not what I said. Now, I'm not trying to ruffle anyone's feathers here. Maybe I am, but not, not in a nice way I am, with all good intentions. But I told him to stop. You're believing God for three years, waiting for a healing to manifest in your body. And I said, you're doing something wrong. And I don't say that because I'm upset with that person. It's just sometimes we need rattled, don't we? It's like, this isn't working. You're not waiting on God. He doesn't make people wait for three years. What verse is that? You know, where did Jesus tell anyone? Go your way. See you in a few years. You know, with your help. But in the meantime, now I believe in standing. I believe in standing on the Word and all this stuff. But how many know if we're going a direction and we're not getting results, then we should change direction. Especially if we have God in the equation. Especially if we're we're discussing Him. Are you saying give up? No, I'm saying alter course. I'm saying make adjustments. I'm saying make changes so that we can receive. Now, let me get back to this, uh, this verse. Those who wait on the Lord, this waiting is almost, uh, not again, not just sitting back idly and maybe something someday will happen and I'll get strong and get taken out of my weakened, weary condition. I think about going to the restaurant. And, uh, and, and someone comes, now they are oftentimes called servers, but uh, used to be called waiters, right? What, what does a good waiter do? Well, they, they come to you and they're looking for what you need. They're constantly keeping their eye on your table. And, you know, if your drink gets down very far, you know, the good ones are there. They're bringing you another one before your other one's gone. Right? And then, you know, like the bad, the bad servers, you're there, you're there uh, you know, your drink's been gone for a while. You know, they come by, would you like a refill? And you're like, yes, please. <laughs> yes, I like a refill. Because uh, <laughs> you're so dried out from the food and they're just not paying attention. Well, when we're talking about waiting on the Lord, 
that's our approach to Him. We're looking to Him constantly. We're seeing, what does the Lord want me to do? What, what, what needs to be done? I mean, He didn't have personal needs, but you know, as far as the kingdom of God, as far as His plan, I'm continually waiting on Him. I'm paying attention to His every, uh, His every word, His every desire. And, and, uh, and that's what, that, what this looks like. This is the kind of person who gets their strength renewed. How many know you can be in church and not do that? You can be in church regularly. You can do a lot of Christian things regularly without having that heart and that focus on the Lord. We are not truly waiting, but think about it this way. Waiting is done with an expectation. I'm praying, I'm seeking, I'm looking to, I'm relying upon Him with a great expectation of a response. It's like the word, it's like the word hope. We talk about, I have hope in God. I have the hope of my salvation, salvation, all these kind of things. Hope is a word that has to do with a favorable outcome. And it has to do with great expectation. When I say I have hope, that means I am expecting things to change. I am looking, I, I am expecting the sun to come up today. Why? Because it comes up every day. I'm expecting God to do exactly what He said in His Word He would do. Why? Because He always does. He is faithful to do what He promised. Okay, so when I wait on the Lord, yes, I'm waiting, I'm seeking, I'm looking to, I'm resting on, but with great expectation that something's coming. Amen. Great expectation in the response from God to my uh, walk with Him. Everybody okay with this so far? All right. The, the, we're, to, we're to wait on the Lord. The, the Hebrew word that was translated here, wait, uh, Strong's Concordance says, it says to bind together, perhaps by twisting. When I'm waiting on the Lord, I'm not just, again, not just my strength being renewed per se, but I'm encountering Him. I'm connecting with the one who is strong with the one who is mighty. We're being so so bound together, so twisted together, if you were. I'm thinking of a pretzel. I'm trying to illustrate it, but it's kind of hard. Uh, but to where His strength infuses our lives. It, it, it's, it's like some of you are aware of Second Corinthians chapter 12. Paul was there talking about how he was given a thorn in the flesh. Remember all the shipwrecks and the beatings and all the persecution he was enduring for preaching the gospel? And, and then when he got to praying about it and the Lord said, my, my grace is sufficient for you. Remember that? In other words, God's power, my power in you enables you to overcome these things. And uh, Paul went on to talk about how because of that, because of God's grace being so amazing and so powerful and so victorious, that he said, I'd rather boast in my infirmities. He said, I'm making mention of my weakness. Then he made a statement in there that it's interesting to me. It gets, it gets misinterpreted and, and misquoted so often. We, people sing songs about it. We don't sing that song here. But uh, uh, people sing songs about it and everything. And, and what they say is, is this. They, they say, when I am weak, then he is strong. How many know God is strong no matter what you are? <laughs> he never had a weak day. There is no, there is no weakness. There is no weariness. There is no. He's, he's not the one who faints. He's just strong. Period. 
And so if I say, well, when I'm weak, God is strong, all that means is God is strong and I am weak. And that stinks. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? No, I'm glad he's strong. Praise God, you're strong. Yeah, but I'm still weak. I still got problems. What God's desire is, what his plan is, not just us weaklings magnify his strength, but us weaklings acknowledge his strength and get an infusion of his strength in our lives. What Paul said there was, when I am weak, I am strong. He's saying when these situations happen, this is when God's strength infuses my life. It's not the end of the story is not I'm weak and he's strong and praise God. It's I was weak, but now I came in contact with a graceful God, with an all-powerful and strong and mighty God, and now I'm strong. That's why bring it on. Because I'm not going to settle here and fall in my own weakness and my own inability. I'm going to connect with a living God who is enabling me to do what I can't do on my own. This is the end result. And so when we talk about waiting on the Lord, what's the end result of this? Well, I put in my time today. I waited on the Lord for an hour. No, no. If there's not the end result of strength, then we haven't really made the connection like we need to. And we need to do something different. Okay? And so as we seek Him, He is looking to uh, meet all of our needs, give us direction, and, uh, and, and really give us His strength. Now, your life, you may have royally screwed it up. Or you may have had a really, you may be sitting in a really good place. Like, my life is pretty good. You know what, either way... If it's a total disaster right now, or if it's off the charts the best you've ever experienced, God's is better. God's is stronger. God is, His life is better. And so this great exchange can continually happen to us every single day of our lives. Uh, He wants to increase us more and more. His strength is stronger. His wisdom, the scripture said, makes man's wisdom look like foolishness. And so we want to continue along these lines. When we talk about the gospel or the good news, how how many know that um, what that's all about is really an exchange? When you talk about Jesus on the cross, how many know he became what we were so we could become what he is? When Jesus was on the cross, it was all about this this great life swap. He became sin. He became unrighteous so we could become righteous. He became he became cursed so we could become blessed. Blessed God's not glorified in anything in any kind of curse we experience. Well, I've got this mega deal and I just pray that the Lord gets glory out of it. He won't get any glory out of it at all. Until you get blessed and say, God did it. He gets the praise. He gets the glory. He gets the honor. Jesus became sick so that we could become healed. Yeah. When did he become sick? Not in his life, on the cross. He bore our infirmities. Jesus, the Bible said that he was made poor. Now, by the way, that's talking about on the cross, too. He was made poverty on the cross so that we might be made rich. He was given he was made sorrowful he was given grief why 
so we could experience His joy. God has always been into finding the worst situation, those who were suffering, those who were weak and despondent and in despair, and saying, here I am. I'm ready to change things for you. I'm ready to turn things around. He's the master of the impossible. He's the one who specializes in impossible situations and loves to turn things around. I, I know, I, I know in, my, in my ministry many years ago, I had been seeking the Lord and, and really somewhat disappointed with some of the results I was getting as far as, uh, as, far as helping people to be healed and, and receive their answers from God. And, you know, it's all about fruit. It's all about results. And, and I was disappointed, and, and the Lord helped me to begin to see things in such a way that I needed to up my expectation. When I was leading a service, when I was teaching, when I was ministering, I needed to expect God to do more right then, right there on the spot. And so I made some adjustments inside my heart and began to expect more things. And, of course, when your heart is convinced or believes a certain thing, you will express that. And, uh, but I also began to just do these things on purpose. I got up in front of when I was start, starting services. I began to say, uh, God is going to move today. He is going to heal bodies. There are going to be miracles. There are going to be outstanding demonstrations of God's power right here in our service today. Yeah. Say, <laughs> so where'd you get that? I made it up. <laughs> no, I mean, I got it from the scripture, but... Uh, you know, what was I doing? I was upping my expectation and I was helping other people to come along with me. Because I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I can, I can pull a bicycle, but to pull a semi-truck, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you can help a couple people and you can pull them along, but to pull lots of people, <laughs> that's work. So what do we need? A lot of people going the same way at the same time. We need a lot of people helping out. And how many know helping out is not just about uh, helping out with a natural project. There's spiritual help. When you and I come to a place, we do something in faith, we have ex our expectations going the same way, we tap into the resources of heaven and people who have needs go away with needs met. I'm telling you, you, can, you and I can create such an environment in here with our personal relationship with God, personal expectation of God. We come in together and it becomes so easy and so, it, so charged with the anointing, so charged with the power of God that individuals who have never even conceived of or thought of having a, having a, a healing, having a, a contact with God come in here and are absolutely blown away and their life has changed forever in a moment. Yeah, that's my desire. Anyway, back to my story. I started doing that. I started making these declarations. And you know what happened? Exactly what I said would happen. Yeah. All, we, we, right, just right in front of our eyes. Just God's power started to flow like never before. His will, which was always the same. His will isn't fluctuating from day to day. But we started experiencing His will. He started, it seemed, showing up. But, you know, it's because we waited on Him with expectation. We approached Him and relied upon Him, and things began to change in our lives. Go with me to Isaiah 61. You're not too far away, I don't think. Isaiah 61. And I'm going to finish things up over here today. And we're just revving up. We're just getting going. Today we're going to pick up next week and 
get somewhere. Isaiah 61, the prophet Isaiah was talking about Jesus and his ministry and the anointing and what that anointing would do for him, through him. Uh, let's pick up in verse 3. It's, he said, to console those who mourn in Zion. What does God want to do for, for the mourning person? Console them. To give them beauty for ashes. You see the exchange here. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He said the anointing is going to be upon him so that those who are mourning are going to be consoled. Those who are wearing ashes are going to wear beauty. The the, the picture here is like things that people would put on their head and for different occasions. And uh, people would wear like mourning stuff, you know, sad things for a sad occasion, for a time of mourning. Uh, People would wear certain uh, fragrances and stuff for times of sorrow. But he said that's not what's going to be happening here. He said the, the Spirit of the Lord is upon him so that you get beauty. And this is talking about what people would wear. You're going to wear things that would be for a celebration. You're going to wear your shouting clothes. You're going to wear your party outfit. You're going to be wearing, uh, wearing things that say, good news, happy day, oh, we are free, oh, I'm happy to be alive, my life has changed, all is well. You're going to have oil that's, that's for joyous occasions, right? This is what the Lord wants to do. He wants to take situations and totally reverse them, totally flip them around and, and transfer what was wrong into being made what is right. Thank you, Lord. You ever had a spirit of heaviness on you? Uh, you just felt weighed down by something. That's not the will of God. And thank God there's an anointing for you. You know what it is? It's the garment of praise. And you can stir it up by yourself, by the way. Heaviness come on you, start saying, praise God. Not for the, not for the heaviness. Praise God for who He is. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. I'm full of joy. You don't feel like it. You feel like you're lying. I'm full of joy. I've got the victory now. I am in Christ. My righteousness is found in you. You are my victory. You are my strength. Oh, I thank you, Lord, for the... And you stir yourself up. And what happens? The heaviness goes. And your praise clothes get put on. Our scripture at the beginning, remember Acts chapter 3 and 19. uh, Remember it said, uh, Repent, therefore, and be converted. Repent and be changed. Some of us think... I already repented, I'm already saved, I'm already in the kingdom of God. Fine, I'm there too. But here's the deal. That is not only something that takes place at the point of salvation, but should take place whenever we find out we're going the wrong direction. Whenever we discover that what we are doing is not working. Whenever we discover that the the things we are believing are not producing results in us, what do we want to do? We want to repent and change. That's what repenting means, by the way. It it means a change. Sometimes it means, yeah, I feel like a rascal, and I need to say, Lord, I'm sorry. But you know, a lot of times, the person that needs to repent, it's not about guilt. It's not about that. It's just about a recognition of truth. It's recognizing, you know, I've been going this way, and it's just not producing. It's not working. I don't have results in my life be as a, 
uh, as a result of acting this way, saying these things, praying these things, these decisions that I've made. So because of that, I'm not going to continue having no results or minimal results. I'm going to change. It might be a little change, might be mega change. It might be a big deal. But I'm going to start doing it different until I start seeing results. And start, I'm going to act different until I see that there's been a connection made with God. His strength is in me. His joy is in me. I have victory. I'm provided for in my life. My relationships are doing well. You understand what I'm talking about? Tweak things. So, are you saying I need to repent? Only if it's not working. If what you're doing is working, if what you're doing, you're experiencing God's best, keep going. Keep doing it. Shout the victory. Celebrate life changes. Amen. But if something's not working, repent. What do I mean repent? Stop. <laughs> Stop going that way. Go a different way. Stop saying it, believing it, or doing it in a particular fashion. See, it, religion will tell you, I'll just keep going. You know, you just never know what God's going to do. You just, just always, you can never tell what His plan is, so just keep going. No, that's not the will of God. He wants us to change until we make a connection with Him, and His power flows freely, and our life is different. We think different. We act different. And therefore, we experience a change in life. Everybody okay today? Amen. Change begins in the mind. It is a choice to be, uh, to do life different. And this, this month, this series, I want to get into some other practical things that will help us to, to experience life change. Again, if your life is good, keep going. But God's life is better than yours. And Jesus said, I have come to give you life and to give, you, give it to you more abundantly. Better than you know. Better than you have. Better than you've experienced before. He wants to fill you up to the full. Amen. Stand up on your feet with me today. Some of you now, as we worship God, you recognize. You've recognized in your, in your life. Maybe you don't have answers, but you recognize certain things are not going the right direction. Or there needs to be some change. And you might not even know what those changes are. But this is why we seek Him. What are we doing today? We're waiting on the Lord. We're looking to Him so He enlightens us and gives us direction, gives us insight so we can make adjustments and experience His best.